At 3.30 in the afternoon, you can see the lights start to change to get dimmer. I'm only halfway through the afternoon at work, but I'll casually flip on the outdoor lights along our footpath. FedEx, UPS, and mail delivery seem to come at all hours nowadays, and the last thing I need is a driver in a mask tripping over some stones, a loose brick, or the garden hose we haven't yet put away. At around 6 p.m. as I finish up work, it's pitch blackout. Taking Nora for a walk, I also flip on the garage light and the sensor lights on the goat shed, which definitely break through the sheet of darkness. One day we'll get this all on the Nest Network, so I can do this remotely or on a timer. That would be great. For walking on the road with Nora in the dark, though, I have two choices. One is a conventional favorite flashlight, which of course I stockpile in various models, colors, and sizes. My favorite is the Yifang Tactical, which I found at my sister's and immediately ordered three of when I got home. The other option is a recent innovation inspired by an Instagram ad, a headlamp. Yes, I know headlamps properly are designed and targeted, marketed towards contractors working in dark places, plumbers under a sink, mountaineers, hikers, or hunters in the woods during the fall for sport. But I also recommend them for city as well, just walking your dog. With a strap around my head and the lamp on at full strength, my hands are free for Nora's leash and to open and close doors. There are settings for bright, brighter, absolutely blinding, and blinking. I walk around our quiet lane with a setting on absolutely blinding, and whenever my head points, and wherever it points, so does the powerful glare of my headlamp, lighting up the darkness night like night vision, unlike Cyclops from the X-Men. The only downsides are one, I look ridiculous, and two, when a car does swing around, rarely, I temporarily blind the driver and have caused more than one temporary swerve and unwelcome honk. It's holiday time, though, so all lights are welcome. In the distance, a house across Route 9 has its decorations lit up like a gingerbread house, and it's super pretty. Our village has some lights as well, including the Elmendorf Inn, run by historic Red Hook. Brian recently joined the board, and he encouraged the menorah now in the window, along with other traditional holiday lights. When I get back inside, we gather at the kitchen counter for the next night of Hanukkah. We light the newest candle first, then the others. You know candles, there's those moments of first flicker where it's trying to light, trying to create something out of nothing, trying to find its leg, struggling against oxygen and far bigger forces. These thin little Hanukkah candles are fragile, much like our world right now. So much is stacked against us, I know. But like physics has taught us how wax, string, and fire works, and how it's worked for thousands of years dating long before the Maccabees finding a day's worth of oil, determination pays off. Grit wins. Hope beats darkness. And there we are together, keeping a tradition passed down for generations and gazing into the brilliance of time's brightness. I'm Matt Zucker, and this is Sidiot, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. I've talked so much about darkness of winter and how a city it needs to learn to prepare for it. The previous owner of our house put in footlights on the path from the house to the driveway, and there's the light on the garage, and a handyman recently helped me fix the floodlights on the goat shed. The front door light is my big problem. Every time we replace it, it goes out about 10 days later. Must be some kind of short. The handyman's too busy to come back, so if any of you out there know electricity, be a Hanukkah fairy and message me. 
This time of year, though, isn't all darkness. While it'll never be the show-stopping power of Diker Heights and Queens that we would used to go visit in our car, some houses go all out with their lights for the holidays. As you drive along roads, seeing a house lit up is quite comforting. We don't celebrate Christmas, so to be frank, I've often had a love-hate relationship with this season. I like the music, but I can't really relate to it. I get the miracle of birth, but that's not my kid in the manger. Yeah, I know my people have Hanukkah, but come on, we all know it's a third-tier festival. Fighting against oppressors who wouldn't let them worship as they see fit, the outnumbered Maccabees won and came back to the destroyed Holy Temple. It's a good story. Seeking to relight the eternal light by which one reads the Torah, they found enough oil to last just one precious day. But the oil didn't last a day. It lasted eight. It's not a religious holiday per se, but a festival to remember resilience. Have you ever played dreidel? The dreidel game was created as a way for Jews to study the Torah and learn Hebrew in secret after a Greek king had outlawed all Jewish religious worship. So in some ways, it's a way to celebrate history and, well, gamble. Christmas is a way bigger and happier event. A miracle baby born far from the city. A prophecy foretold. A new star in the sky. Three kings come by to see for themselves. I mean, sure, we get a few celebrities up here like Paul Rudd, Hillary Burton, Mary Stuart Masterson, and my insta-buddy, Sharon Washington, but we don't get kings and queens. Can you imagine if Prince Harry and Meghan showed up to buy a house in the valley? Would they choose Rhinebeck or Millbrook? There's barely inventory as it is. But my point is light. Candles, an ancient source of light dating back to Romans or maybe earlier. They're big for Christmas and Hanukkah, as well as Kwanzaa, right around the corner starting on December 26th candles are mesmerizing. Fireplaces too. We keep ours lit from 3 or 4 p.m. onward until bed. As you can tell, I'm really into the light this year and finding it inspiring, calming, and comforting. In this episode, season three's little finale, I'll talk about three bright moments for me. Light in the darkness can often be a surprise, which leads me to something I just discovered. Advent calendars. Advent calendars go back to the 19th century. Well, I think they do. Since I'm Jewish, I know really actually know very little about them, except to me they're basically countdowns to Christmas, a tradition big in Germany, and I admire how crafty people get over them. There are food advent calendars, pet advent calendars, Lego advent calendars, and then what I will now call Susie calendars. This year we had a big surprise with our friend and neighbor Susie dropping off our very first advent calendar. It came packaged as a box of 24 different brown paper bags, each one with a colored die cut on the cover, a star, a donkey, a hand, a moose, even a dreidel. Inside each one we opened day after day, there was a surprise, an inspirational message, a pocket of tea to take a break, a donation made in our honor, a little sweet, an inspiration to take action. Susie told me that she was first introduced to advent calendars when she was six or seven. They had a Danish exchange student living with them. The Danes, like the Germans, are crazy for advent. As a kid, it had previously felt impossible to wait for Christmas, but having a tangible countdown, Susie said, paired with a sweet and a bit of thoughtfulness made a huge difference. When the exchange student left, her mom kept up the tradition. When her mom died 10 years ago, Susie took over making them for her kids niece and nephew. Over the years, she has put a few together for friends and the kids' roommates, but in the wake of Trump's election in 2016, 
she felt like she wanted to offer friends and family some love and light as we struggled to make sense of things. An advent calendar seemed like a good way to do it. So that's when she ramped up production to its current formidable state. Susie this year made an incredible 47 advent calendars. With 24 bags per recipient, that's over 2,000 staples. While themes change, the first day always bears her mom's original December 1st message, which is, let others see the light in you. Susie says her husband John is a saint for putting up with what the dining room looks like in November. Thank you, Susie, for including us in your tribe and opening us up to this day-after-day reward of brightness. Back in August, I surprised Brian with a record player for his birthday. I'd actually been plotting it for months, even before COVID. But in late February, I was in New York City with my friend Peter, and he took me to a record store called Turntable Lab to pick out some records for his son. As the pandemic spread, and we realized it would probably be a very long, solitary winter, I thought it would make a great gift, and it worked. Brian loved it. Like many, I grew up with vinyl in the 70s transitioning to audio cassettes and then to CDs. The sound of vinyl is so different to what we're used to now from digital. There's something raw and authentic about it. The first two albums I got him were Beastie Boys and Bon Iver. He of course bought many more. And then more recently, mom passed me some old LPs from the attic in her house. So now we have far more to spin through these dark months. I know you're thinking I'm endlessly spinning Billy Joel, and I am, but we also have the original company album from 1970 and John Cougar, American Fool. The lesson here is about making your own light. You can do things to create your own happiness, and you should do them. In addition to podcasting, which you know I love, I'm writing furiously. My career book is out. I'm prepping for the Audible version, and don't tell Brian, but I'm so ready to write the next book. moment number three, fan mail. I can't tell you how many people reach out because of this podcast. Sometimes on Facebook and Twitter, a direct message on Instagram, or an email to goats at cityat.com, our official email address. Sometimes it's a question about where to go for a day trip or names of plumbers. One listener heard my podcast on Albany and shared a documentary I might be interested about the city. Another person wrote to thank me for the podcast and how she learned about the egg for outdoor extension cords from me. One time a couple just wanted to meet up for a drink, so we did. Every message is amazing and encouraging. You can ask anyone who puts out a podcast, a blog post, gives a talk, or sticks their neck into the dark unknown in any way, but hearing any feedback or appreciation, whether it's a review in the Apple Store or just a quick note to say hi, it means the world. The secret is how few people do it. We really don't know how. What we do goes over. We have moments of doubt have exhaustion moments where we're ready to retire the project like the podcast and move on. But then someone, someone will brighten your day with a note, with a post, with a question, with a hello. I don't know if you do this when you listen to some podcasts, but sometimes I close my eyes and to listen to the voices. I let the words and sounds roll over me, painting a scene of who the voice is. And I swear, I learned this when I started out writing radio ads. If I listen closely enough, 
I can hear you smile. Thank you for listening to Season 3 of Sidiot. I want to return the favor with ideas for you if you want to spread some good embers. Our favorite dog boutique, Paws Dog Boutique, recently reopened at Rhinebeck. We've gotten to know Sammy, who runs it, when she moved to Red Hook, and we are loyal followers of nothing else. Nora loves her beef and chicken woofers, as well as toys and seasonal collar and leash designs. If you or your friends have a dog, please tell them about Paws Dog Boutique in Rhinebeck or at pawsdogboutique.com. Local bookstores also need support. Both Oblong Books in Rhinebeck and Rough Draft Bar and Books in Kingston have been kind enough to carry my book, Bronze Seek Silver, so please support them with whatever you want to read next. Our farms and restaurants are our lifeline. They make our food. You've met Callie from Sawkill Farm and heard us about our CSA with Hardy Roots, friends at Northwind Farms, Grig Farm, and Meat Orchards. Giabata and Tivoli is our go-to for coffee in the morning and takeout for dinner. You've heard me rave about the bolognese, but I've also diversified, now enjoying the chicken marsala. Don't worry, season four of Cityat is in development. Follow Cityat.hv on Instagram or Cityat on Facebook for dates as we get closer to launch. Send ideas if you have them. A review of this season would be great if you've got time on the Apple Podcast Store. It helps people find us. I'm Matt Zucker in the Hudson Valley. It's still daylight, so I'm going to take Nora on a hike without the headlamp. When we're back, Brian and I will do the next night of Susie's Advent Calendar. I hope you're safe, holding on, healthy, and happy wherever you are. And when you can, come visit. Come visit.